Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. We are uh, we're now previewing uh, the opponent now that we're in football season. So we've moved the interview podcast from Monday to Thursday and joining us to talk about the showdown between the Texas Longhorns and the Texas Tech Red Raiders is the publisher of Inside the Red Raiders.com, the one and only Jared Johnson. I call him JJ. Hope he doesn't mind that. JJ, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Everybody on the board calls me JJ too. You know what? My whole life, nobody ever called me that. Now, everybody on Inside the Red Raiders and you, a lot of people, you know, on the 24 7 network uh, does as well. So it's pretty funny. But I'm well, doing great, man. I uh, really appreciate both you and Taylor having me on. Hey, absolutely. And I'm excited about this game because. Look, Texas Tech under Matt Wells is has been uh, a solid offense. You got Alan Bowman. Sounds like Siradric Thompson is going to play. And, my God, T.J. Vasher's back for his ninth year <laughs> at Texas well, Tech. Good, right? He's back first yeah, year. and they got, they got guys up front. I mean, you got uh, Jack Anderson, who's an all-conference offensive lineman. Um, you tell me, Jarrett, how, how good is this Texas Tech offense? Because I'm expecting it to be a, a great test for Chris Ash as he gets back to the Big 12. My honest answer is I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Because second year in uh, offensive coordinator David Yost's system, and David Yost, I really respect him, um, has just a, a, a great history of success. You know, Missouri, he was at Oregon. He was with Coach Leach at Washington State for a little bit. He uh, looks got, like Lloyd Christmas, right? He is Lloyd Christmas. That's what he looks like. And it's funny is because when you talk with Coach Yost, I mean, yeah, he's quirky, but, I mean, you wouldn't think he's as wacky as his hairdo. But that's just kind of a thing he did. He flat out, he'll tell you, for recruiting. So people will remember him. And it's interesting because when I talk to recruits, they'll say, hey, the crazy blonde hair guy, you know, Coach Yost, and that's who they'll remember. And then they'll point out four or five other offensive coordinators they, they talk with and, you know, they, they don't remember their names. So I, I guess it works, you know. Um, and they have a pretty good quarterback uh, committed uh, top 100 guy, Barry Morton, uh, for the 2021 class. So, I, you know, it, I guess that works. But in terms of his offense, you know, it's been up and down. You know, I mean, of course, they're coming from Cliff Kingsbury's offense, which, man, you know, they, they didn't win a lot under, under Kingsbury, but they sure did put up a lot of points. Uh, and it's been, like I said, it's been hit or miss. 35 points against Houston Baptist in the opener. That's, you know, that didn't really trip a lot of uh, triggers over here uh, in West Texas. They, they're used to putting up, you know, 50, 60 points on an opponent like Houston Baptist. Uh, so I think Alan Bowman had his first game back, the quarterback. Um, he had a lot of success as a true freshman. But it was his first game back since the third game of last season, you know, and he's had a lot of injuries. So the timing was kind of off, but the weird thing is, is I really like the running backs. I really like the receivers. I mean, they have a, like a really, even for Texas Tech, they have a really good stable of receivers. 
veteran guys and some young guys coming up with a lot of talent. But then you got to you know, worry about Bowman. Is his timing going to be right? I like the running backs, but the two tackles are green in terms of playing Big 12 football. Uh, and the interior of the offensive line didn't perform like we were hoping, at least in the opener. But then again, it's 2020, and uh, I'm just glad they're playing football at all, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mad Dog 2020. I'm with you, uh, JJ. Talking to Jared Johnson, uh, publisher of InsideTheRedRaiders.com. And obviously, we'll, we'll get back to some key players that you might point out, but let's flip it over to the Texas Tech defense because it was a weird game against Houston Baptist. The run defense was stout, held them to 28 yards on 24 carries. You'll take that all day, every day, 1.2 a carry, but they gave up everything. In the passing game, we had David Beatty on my radio show in in uh, Austin, and he said, my God, guys were running wide open, running free. They got to get that figured out. So what do you make of, of the defense? Well, I think one of the one of the things that I, I understand people who don't cover Texas Tech wouldn't notice this, but Texas Tech's run defense has actually been, especially for Texas Tech, pretty good. Uh, over the last couple of years. They went from being where, I mean, if you're an opposing team, you see it like a Texas or Oklahoma or even like Oklahoma State would come in and be like, all right, we've messed around. Let's just line up and run over Texas Tech, and you can do it. That's not the case. Well, Houston Baptist, now don't get me wrong. Tech fans will tell you Bailey Zappi is a very good quarterback, and he is. The offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, who uh, served under Coach Kingsbury over here. There's three off, uh, offensive coaches who went over there, took – Kingsbury's uh, air raid version over there. So, or version of the air raid over there. So very good offense, good quarterback, but still, I mean, that was my really only question in the post game press for coach Wells. And I asked a point blank, look, you know, you gave a 567 yards to, to Bailey Zappi through the air guys were running wide open the entire game. You know, why did this happen and how, you know, how can you possibly improve over the next two weeks before you take on Texas. And he really didn't have like, you know, it was right after the game. So he didn't have, you know, a big time answer other than, and this really grabbed my attention that he felt like, uh, you know, once they started giving up plays and the bulls started flying, that guys lost confidence and they couldn't really rebound. And that's really been a common theme for tech where I think they have good players, they have good spurts, but when that adversity hits and it's football, so we all know it will, you know, who are they going to depend on to, to bounce back? And a lot of times they haven't had the answer. And the fact that they didn't, they almost didn't have the answer ultimately for Houston Baptist was alarming. But uh, overall, I think the secondary, uh, you can't make any excuse for it. I think they're getting some guys back. The extra practice time is going to help. Everyone's dealing with the Corona situation, but tech had, at least 75 guys out late in camp that missed multiple weeks. So the hope is with a new secondary coach and Derek Jones, who came over from Duke, they're going to be more in line. No, I, they had problems just lining up. So right. you can't wake up. You're not going to be stopping evidently Houston Baptist and certainly not Texas and San Ellinger. So, or Ellinger. So uh, that's, it's a big, it's number one concern for me coming into the season and certainly is after the first game. 
Well, and, and uh, Jared, that's what I wanted to ask you about because Todd Orlando was on the Texas Tech staff for about 10 days, it seemed. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Todd Orlando was Matt Wells' defensive coordinator at Utah State. He loves the guy. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, it was not a good year for Texas Tech's defense last year under Keith Patterson. Um, they were 10th out of 10 in total defense, passing defense, 9th in, in run defense, and 9th in scoring defense, giving up 30.3 points per game. And as you mentioned, Derek Jones comes in, and now he's in a co-coordinator situation with Keith Patterson. Maybe Matt Wells wanted Todd Orlando in that situation. Is the line of communication and is that defensive coordinator relationship between Keith Patterson and Derek Jones healthy because it didn't look like it. Like you just said it, it didn't look like the front and the back of the defense were tied together. It didn't look organized. No, it wasn't organized. I mean, I'll flat out say, I've said it, you know, I've said it on air. I've said it on the, on the site, on Twitter, from the mountaintops, it was complete disorganization. And, uh, you know, that's – on one hand, it's hard to fathom, right? I mean, because we put all this – in. everybody puts all this emotional and time, you know, energy into this, fans, whoever, you, you name it. And then to go out there and not know how, know how to line up, um, not be prepared for Houston Baptist's up-tempo. Um, and then you could tell that half the time the guys didn't know what coverage they were in. You know, half a run in zone, half a run in man. Which all that you put all that together, that equals guys running free in the secondary, right? So uh, you know, it's in terms of being healthy. I mean, you know, Chip, you've been around. I'm sure there were some heated arguments <laughs> between the coaching staff. Now they've done a good job of putting a good face on it, and I think the fact that we're not up there, you know, I mean, normally in most years I'm up there at the facility multiple times a week. I haven't been there in term other than for the game in weeks months you know you know how it is because of because of covid uh so you don't get those little side uh details about what's going on like you would i mean it's one thing for hearsay it's another thing to you know look somebody in the eye and really talk about it so it appears that they won um here, here comes texas this weekend we'll see if they improve i think a lot of people are trying to chop it up to the fact that there wasn't a lot of practice time and you know coach patterson actually moved he's always coached linebackers for like i think most of his career even when he's been a defensive you know defensive coordinator at various places but he moved to the secondary too to help coach jones so it's both of them back there um i think it's the the elephant in the room like they knew they're gonna have problems with the, with the secondary they've done they brought in grad transfers junior college players a big freshman class to try to upgrade it but uh i think it's just gonna be a problem it was a problem last year i think it's gonna be a problem again this year yeah, and that, um, that's been the problem at Tech. I mean, Cliff would still be there if he'd have hired David Gibbs as a defensive coordinator right away instead of rifling through the pile and then not getting to David Gibbs until it was too late. And, and so, you know, here we are, Matt Wells, same thing. Does he have the right defensive coordinator? We'll, we'll find out. Okay, talking to Jared Johnson inside the RedRaiders.com, previewing. Saturday's matchup between the Longhorns and the Red Raiders in Lubbock, where Texas has won five in a row. Um, Their problems with Tech have been in Austin, uh, but they have won five in a row in Lubbock. Now, Jarrett, the 
the atmosphere, uh, you know, Texas players, they're not going to have the crazy, rabid AT&T Jones Stadium crowd there. It's going to be, I think I saw an estimate of about 16 to 18,000. What, uh, at 2.30, what, what, was, what was the atmosphere like for Houston Baptist? Well, it was Houston Baptist, all right? So it's different than the atmosphere for Texas, like you imagine. The UTEP, and if it was opposite, Tech was coming to UTEP, it might be a little different, right? So uh, it, it was crazy. I mean, it was kind of a ghost town. You know, I've never seen the Jones like that. You know, I was a student there in the late 90s, too. And, of course, you know, covered some for the Star-Telegram as well. And I, I've never seen it so empty, you know? <laughs> uh, it was like uh, less than a spring game, really, to be honest. So uh, for, for Houston Baptist, that was – so that was it was bizarre, you know. The the going band from Raiderland didn't march before the game. It was easy. You know, I do a two hour radio uh, preview, and you know, it, it ends basically thirty minutes before kickoff time. So I'm hustling. It's across the street from the Jones. I'm normally hustling, and it was really easy to get to get in. That was the one silver lining. Normally, it's a fight to get through the crowd, and it, there was no crowd to get through. There was no going band to have to uh, you know negotiate. So it, it's very different. I don't know. Everything is seems to be different. I mean, even in the press box, I mean, everybody's, you know, more than six feet away. You're wearing a mask. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be different. It, the whole season for everyone is going to be different. I mean, just how we're covering this right now, not knowing how those, you know, the, the next rounds of tests are going to be, you know, right. they have the final Friday test. Uh, so, and I don't know if, if UT does it, if the visiting team does it on Thursday or if they do it Friday morning for the, you know, I don't know how it is, but that final test, you know, could change everything. So right. that's always hanging over everyone's heads. So that's, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't have imagined a scenario. I don't think um, in my brain before this season, before all this happened in the spring, weirder than what, what we're operating under. We'll continue with inside the Red Raiders.com. Jared Johnson here uh, on the flagship podcast in just a second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What are expectations? Uh, obviously, this is Kirby Hocutt's guy. Kirby, I think there was a group of tech boosters that wanted Dana Holgerson Kirby did not go in that direction. He went with Matt Wells. What four and eight last year? What are the expectations this year? Obviously to improve, but is it bowl game or what? You know, what do you think realistic expectations are? I think they want to see improvement, and that's not what they saw in the opener. So, I think most Tech fans' expectations were really low because you know the Cliff Kingsbury era. Did not go well, obviously. Um, it's been a long time since Mike Leach was here. You brought up, you know, Texas is one of the last five matchups in Lubbock. Um, it wasn't that long ago. It was at least this century that you could count on Tech was going to beat a UT or an A&M or an OU at home. I mean, you could count on Mark it down. It was going to happen because of that great atmosphere. And a lot of those things have changed. I mean, 
uh, you know, there just hasn't been a lot of big time home wins. There hadn't been a lot of a lot of Big 12 wins, period. Uh, and so fans just they're, I, they're tired of the losing. I'll just simply they want they want to see um, they understand the way the roster was. Even Cliff Kingsbury himself said that uh, he didn't do what he probably should have on the recruiting trail. You know, I covered that. I can vouch for that. Uh, and so the roster is a work in progress. And I think most level-headed fans realize that. But at the same time, some of the disorganization we saw in the opener, some of the in-game decisions haven't gone over well. Um, the four-win season is unacceptable in Lubbock. So fans want to see improvement. Just, you know, whatever that is in this 10-game 10 10 season, uh, I don't know. But I think it's an eye test thing. Definitely, you know, Ws as well. That You know, bottom line, they got to, you know, win some some big time games in the Big 12, but also uh, just show that there's light at the end of the tunnel. This program is improving. Yeah, I mean, um, got to see that week to week improvement. And and uh, obviously, Texas Tech should have had uh, the full attention of of their defense, especially in practice. But good news, right? Uh, Colin Schooler, the grad transfer middle linebacker from Arizona, who's uh, older brother is the grad transfer receiver at Texas, Brendan Schooler, who could be starting in the slot if Jake Smith uh, does not uh, feel any better. Uh, we wrote about Jake Smith in the Insider this week. Make sure that uh, you're getting over to Horns 24-7 and, and reading about that. But Colin Schooler, I mean, he's the, the active leader in tackles for loss with 46 in FBS. This is a three-year starter. What, what are your expectations? Will we see Colin Schooler on the field uh, Saturday? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I, I – like at the beginning of this, I made, a, uh, I made up in my mind I wasn't going to report on any of the corona stuff other than just numbers. You know, we're supposed to know, and we do, you know, we're supposed to be insiders. But I think this is personal, right? The medical history, and I don't even know all that – you know, all the uh, – Legal things, ramifications that go into it. So I leave that alone. He was unavailable in the opener. Let's put it that way. He uh, He's expected to be available this week. If he's available, I expect him to play and to play a lot because he was impressing as soon as he, he uh, hit the facility. Um, he already knows the playbook. Apparently the scheme was a lot, was very similar. Uh, what Coach Patterson runs at Tech is very similar to what they, what they ran in Arizona when he was there. Uh, and just bottom line, he's one of the best football players on campus. That's, you know, I mean, uh, he, he's one of the top five players, if not the best player on campus, given his resume. But I tell you what, uh, one of the things that I like the most about what they've done with this roster under Coach Wells and Coach Patterson, I give Coach Patterson a lot of credit, is the way they've recruited the linebacker position. And, I mean, look, look what they did with Jordan Brooks. They went uh, – Brooks went from not really being on any NFL draft radars to having the All-American season – and going in the first round, he's he's uh, expected to start against the Cowboys this weekend. So, uh, I mean, you know what that how that plays on the recruiting trail. So they're having a lot of success recruiting linebackers. Krishan Merriweather uh, had a great great uh, game. One of the only guys on defense I, I could I could fairly say just looked like a beast against Houston Baptist. He was all over the field. Was a Big 12 Defensive Player of the, of the Week for that week. Uh, and I, I thought he would be. He's a guy. He led. He was a junior college All American. He led the entire country in, in tackles. 
his last year in junior college play. He's a guy on his official visit in full pads there in the indoor facility with helmet on, did a standing backflip like it was nothing. So he can run, he can hit. He's one of those mean, violent people. You wouldn't really want to go to dinner with him, but you certainly want to unleash him, you know, on your defense. Uh, so, I, you know, Tech could use more of those guys. I like, you know, uh, Rico Jeffers is another linebacker there with, with Colin Schooler. Uh, they brought in a grad transfer from Michigan State, uh, uh, Brandon Randall, I really like. So Schooler and those linebackers are a real strength on this roster. Yeah, and Eli Howard is a guy who put up numbers last year. The front of the Tech defense has got some stuff, and I thought the secondary would be better because they return four guys. Uh, what, Demarcus Fields, uh, Adrian Fry. Now, obviously, they weren't great last year, Zach McPherson and, and Thomas Leggett, but um, and special teams, Jared, before we, before we let you go. I mean, Trey Wolf, solid, uh, kicking field goals. How how does uh, what does Texas Tech look like on special teams? I mean, Texas Tech special teams. That's I consider that to be a strength, and for them to have a uh, an advantage almost every week, especially with their with their kickers. Uh, McNamara, the punter, he's uh, you know borderline All American. I mean, borderline All Big Twelve All American. Like you said, Trey Wolf was one of the most accurate kickers in the country last year. Over ninety percent of his kicks. Um, you know, by all accounts, they had great off seasons expected to be, you know, top shelf again, uh, this season. They also brought in uh, Jacob Morgenstern, who's a 6'4", 225 linebacker, uh, 225 pound linebacker who could run. He was uh, Duke's top special teams player. So they brought in that grad transfer. He's going to help on coverage and return teams. He's like that classic, like, I always imagine when I watch this film, you know, Braveheart, when they're battling, they're running at each other, <laughs> running like a wild banshee. You know, I mean, I hope he paints his face, you know, just for that, because that's what he looks like. And he, he really is uh, a monster on special teams. So, you know, it, it's going to come down to the return guys. And, you know, uh, Zach McPher McPherson has really kind of stepped up as the punt returner. We'll have to see. Because, you know, everybody keeps waiting for that Wes Wilker or Jakeem Grant to show up to really give them a, a big boost in the return game. So McPherson, you know, he's a former four-star guy, another grad transfer from Penn State, which I think the grad transfer, uh, you know, is a common theme here with Texas Tech. But, uh, you know, McPherson had a really rough game. He did have an interception the first game, but overall he had kind of a rough game but was solid in, in the return game. So we'll have to see if he can give them a boost or not. Uh, Jarrett. Last thing before we let you go, how's the recruiting going? I mean, who the guys who Wells commitments, targets, what, uh, how's the Texas Tech recruiting looking under Wells? Yeah, well, I think that's, that's a complicated answer because you just look at their recruiting ranking right now and it's not good because the volume is not there. Um, you know, I think Corona really, the shutdown has really affected Tech more than it would a school of more tradition like Texas or Oklahoma uh, just because they can't And you know, Matt Wells isn't like a big time name, you know, he's an up and comer, not an established guy. So they were doing really well with having guys come on campus, show what's going on. And they landed some, some big time guys. I mean, their average ranking of commit is like fourth, but then they're like 81st in the country in terms of the whole class, because the volume isn't there. Now they've done a great job. Also the junior college ranks, which, I mean, some people like that, some people don't. But grad transfers, I think, 
this one niche where there's that blanket waiver where guys can stay. Some of these guys already had two years of eligibility. Now they'll have three because of this blanket waiver where nobody loses a year of eligibility. I mean, that's almost like getting a recruit, you know, nowadays. So they're, they've really hit the grad transfer market hard, and that's where they found the most success, in my opinion. All right. Um, your prediction mm -hmm. for Saturday's game. Yeah, my prediction is I, I just I can't imagine a scenario in my head where they really slow down Texas's offense, specifically its passing game, enough to win this game, unless it's some crazy turnover margin, you know, as the, the great equalizer. Other than that, my prediction is I think Texas wins by double digits. I see it as I haven't I haven't posted an official score yet, but I've you know a 48-30 or 35 type type score. I think. Uh, Texas is going to put a lot of points on the board, and I, I don't know. I, we'll have to see if Texas offensive line holds up because if they can get the ball in their their playmakers' hands, I think they'll be able to do some things. But that's a big if. All right, last thing, Chris Beard. What what uh, Texas basketball school now? I mean, what uh, <laughs> how what how's that team looking? I, I I love what Chris Beard does. Tremendous. We're in the golden era of Texas Tech basketball with, with Coach Beard. Um, he's just totally changed the culture around. I mean, Toby Smith did some good things, took, took the team to, to the tournament and all that, but this is a whole nother level. They're recruiting on a whole nother level. I mean, they expect – they either get a top 100 guy or some guy no one heard of who ends up being a top 100 guy once they discover because their recruiting is just tremendous. But it's not just that, their development um, all the way around, the way they are with the student body, the way they are with the media, um, I, you know, could, could not be in, in better shape, the basketball program right now. I expect them to challenge for a Big 12 title this year with the talent on the roster. Maybe make another run to – who knows? We'll have to see what happens, like, like I said, 2020, what happens with the matchups, what the format even looks like. But I expect them to compete for, for everything this season. Well, Texas Tech hung a Final Four banner in, its, uh, in the Spirit Arena, and Texas is still waiting for an NCAA tournament victory. Under hey, Shaka Smart. Fun. That was impressive last year, at the end of last year. Well, nice. And then saved by Corona. I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, Shaka Smart has nine lives. Listen, Jarrett, great stuff, man. Everybody needs to get over to InsideTheRedRaiders.com. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for joining us on the flagship podcast. Anytime, Chip. Thanks for having me, man. And thanks to everybody for listening to the flagship podcast. Until next time, I'm Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith.